Welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates Donald Trump. We need translation of Donald Trump for Nancy Pelosi, I think, as we're talking. Uh, we take an honest look at the current administration, and we look at the existential threats to America, both from inside and outside. Joining me today, Byron York, columnist at the Washington Examiner and a Fox News contributor, will get an update on the effort by the Republicans to investigate the illegal spying that was apparently done against the Trump campaign, almost certainly. Also, we'll hear from Conrad Black, author and non-affiliated member of the House of Lords. He'll share why he believes 2020 will be a win for President Trump and why Joe Biden is the only hope against embarrassment for the Democrats. Conrad Black was pardoned by President Trump in the last few days. We'll see if he wants to talk about that. Well, as we're speaking, uh, Nancy Pelosi has uh, this meeting kind of busted up a day or two ago uh, when um, they're supposed to talk about infrastructure at the White House and Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Chuck Schumer, um, minority leader in the Senate, came up to see and the president said, you're going to keep these investigations. We're not going to talk constructively on things. So drop the baloney, drop the investigations. She uh, had said that the president was engaged in a cover-up just before she came for, to a meeting with him. Mm-hmm. This is not what you call good faith. I don't know if you remember on the radio show, we used to talk about the conditions of dialogue. Yes. The Socratic conditions of dialogue. Uh, Intelligence, candor, and goodwill. If you say just before a meeting with someone, I think they're engaged in a criminal cover-up. Not really an expression of goodwill, I would say. Not, Not really. Not really. So after the meeting, she spoke the next day and said, I really think that the president's family and friends need to engage in an intervention. So we're back to... Uh, Donald Trump present as mental patient. Correct. Right. So they couldn't get the collusion to stick. The obstruction isn't going anywhere. So it's back to Donald Trump as incapacitated by mental incapacity. Sorry for the redundancy there. Uh, This is not the way to generate good and constructive dialogue. So the president's got to do everything by himself without the cooperation of Congress. We're not talking about the border today, but the situation at the border gets worse and worse and worse, and he gets no help. And if uh, the Congress really cared, really thought there was a compassion crisis at the border, it would do something about it. It would do something about it. Did you see, Claude, Robert Smith, the uh, businessman at Morehouse College? Yes, I did. Do you want to tell the audience what he did? And did you see the looks on the faces of those young people? So he's uh, giving the commencement speech, and uh, he goes off script, and he says that he and his family, uh, that they wanted to pay off the uh, student loans of everyone in the class of 2019 for Morehouse College. And it was a mixture of, is he serious? Of Did he say what I think he just said? And just pure, you know excitement it was it was quite a thing to watch yeah people were wondering he's gonna pay him off like over 40 years or <laughs> just one check he's got the money to do it yeah i was on uh, tv and they asked me about it and i said yeah look at those kids you imagine some kid in the audience who's graduating and he owes fifty thousand smackers right and he doesn't have a job mm-hmm. so he's sitting there at graduation he's happy but he's a little nervous and he hears this yeah, it changes everything. So the interviewer said, yeah, it's something. So then about an hour later, they had some young man in the graduating class in Morehouse. And uh, Sandra Smith uh, played the clip of me saying, you know, imagine young man. She said, is that like you? He said, yeah, except unlike what Mr. Bennett said, I owe about 200000 Oh, goodness gracious. And that is one <laughs> fell swoop. That is gone. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Robert Smith, quite a guy. Yeah, no, obviously, yeah. I mean, imagine that. I mean, I heard several stories of... 
you know, parents uh, taking out loans, kids taking out loans. And so both are in debt. I mean, just, uh, uh, it's, uh, and just like that, it's wiped away. I mean, what a great, great thing he did. You know, he said, too, with, it was very impressive. I thought this was a very cool way to do it without saying, feel sorry for me. Why did you feel sorry for this billionaire anyway? But he said, you know, um, we have a great connection to this country on behalf of my family, eight generations. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, if you go back eight generations for a black man in this country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What you're going back to. Yeah. And he didn't say the word. It just, it was clear. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's he's made himself a good life in America. Oh. Mm-hmm. What a great story. I looked him up. Very interesting guy. Went to Cornell, engineer. Right. Tech Most, guy, right? Yeah. yeah, tech guy. Something else interesting about him, you may not know. Uh, he's married. Okay. To the 2011 Playmate of the Year. Okay. And right. uh, that needs no further comment. All right, he's doing well. And the day in which we speak, <laughs> the sky is... is <laughs> he's do- doing okay. He's doing He's okay. doing all right. He made something of it. In the world. Uh, and uh, he's made something of himself. And God bless America. God bless him. Mm-hmm. And what an example. So, um, I was saying, this is a great contrast, by the way, to, you know, free college tuition. Mm-hmm. This is the private sector. Right. I will just tell you this. If you had a thousand Robert Smiths and they all did it at all these commencements, you know what the colleges would do the next year? Raise tuition. They would raise tuition. <laughs> by virtue of what hypothesis? Uh, the Bennett hypothesis uh-huh. will rule again. Unbelievable. So, but God love him. God bless him. Yeah, so I heard you had quite an event uh, recently, a nice little dinner party. Small dinner party. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a lot of security out front. Okay. People walked by. We are in liberal, very liberal Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell you. Uh, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> and uh, people walked by and said, who's in there? Who's in there? Anyway, security wouldn't tell them. We had Secretary Pompeo. Oh, wow. Okay. We had Attorney General Barr. Nice. Wives. Two of your guys, I mean. Mark Meadows, mm-hmm. wife. Fabulous. Nice. And uh, Wayne and Catherine Reynolds. And um, us. That's it. Nice. And um, to get to other guests, I'm not going to mention them, but um, if they prefer to be anonymous, but um, fabulous. Those two guys are the Praetorian Guard for the president. I'll tell you, they're big, strong men. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of bulky, chic guys. At I was going to say. Big guys. <laughs> it was a big guys. We had steak. You know? <laughs> nice. A big guy, didn't it? Not everyone had well done with ketchup like the president does, but it was big guy <laughs> steak and little pasta. I mean, it was a big meal. It was a yeah, good meal. Yeah. Mrs. Bennett was brilliant, brilliant execution. Of course. And people said, I haven't been to a dinner party like that where, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't going to allow for a press conference. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, what do you think of that? At fun. Nice. Lighthearted questions, fun, laughter, relaxing, let your yeah. hair down. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And they are great people. And we were honored to entertain them. And nobody can do it better than the Mrs. Bennett boy. Well, I mean, you know, you know that's her wheelhouse. I mean, if, you know, the hospitality, the she entertainment. executes the, down to the mm-hmm. nine. Oh, I yeah. Mean, very she just gets it. Detail-oriented. Gets yes. it done. Gets it done. Um, a couple other things I want to talk about, if you're done with my social schedule. <laughs> I am. Uh, and that is uh, these debates about a couple of things. One on the abortion. Uh, the most difficult and divisive issue in American politics. And right now, the temperature is very high because we're having the debate at both extremes, at both ends. Mm-hmm. You have the, the liberals, the very liberal liberals, who will not, you know, pass a resolution uh, saying, you know, if a baby is born alive in the third trimester, right, you cannot destroy the baby. You cannot kill the baby. They won't, they won't, they won't approve that. And we all remember Governor Northam from Virginia, who's still there, by the way. Right. Mm-hmm. 
saying, well, you know, if the abortion doesn't work well in the last trimester, you make the baby comfortable and find out what the mother wants to do with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or her. Right. Ghastly. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Now, out of Alabama and some states uh, with similar laws, but Alabama is, I'd say, the farthest, um, no abortions, period. Um, health of the mother is, is still an exception, but no abortions for rape or incest. Right. And that's not where most American people are. I understand that argument, and it's consistent with life. If it is innocent human life, it's innocent human life, even if it's the product of rape or incest. But I think I'm with Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Very hard to ask a woman to go to term, seems to me. Yeah, no, you're right. With, yep. uh, with the rape or incest. But that's going to be a target of, uh, of, uh, of the media. And, of course, the media being where it is, you're going to hear more about the, the quote, excesses of mm-hmm. Alabama than of uh, the Virginia governor right. and the Democrat Congress. So I don't know where this ball goes, but it's a, you know, it's a hot ball. It bounces, and it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing in American politics. Mm-hmm. American people, by and large, you know, sort of in the middle, yes, abortion's early, but the earlier the better. Mm-hmm. They like safe, legal, and rare, um, which Clinton said but didn't mean. But as you know, as 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 the, as the term progresses, they get more and more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that. I'm pro-life, uh, and you know the advance of science. Yes, it's very clear that this is a human being. Sure. I go back to my common sense test. Mm-hmm. When you call from the hospital and you call the in-laws and you say we got a beautiful baby girl, they don't say baby girl what? Right. Baby girl giraffe. Mm-hmm. Baby girl chimpanzee. Baby girl. No, baby girl human being. Correct. No, it's a human being. No, it's a human being. They don't ask. That seems to me to prove the point by common usage. But uh, but we shall see where it goes. So you know, this abortion thing will be a big deal. And I don't know. I don't know who it helps. I think the atrocities at the liberal end are much worse than what's proposed in Alabama. And Alabama is going to get reversed. It's going to get struck down. What will happen to the to the to the third term abortion? Will that get struck down? I don't think so. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I want to talk about the so-called Equality Act, which is now saying essentially, you know, no distinction among gays and straight people and now transgender and no distinction. People are what they say they are. Mm-hmm. The Equality Act, introduced by House and Senate Democrats, amends almost all of the major civil rights statutes, including Title, title VII, to secure equality nationwide for the LGBTQ community. Listen to this. Now. Legislation would make it unlawful everywhere to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity okay. in employment, education, housing, and public accommodations. Okay. You are what you say you are. Mm-hmm. So if you say you're a, you're a girl, you can use the girls' room. Mm-hmm. A million questions about this, but let's take the one that's the most obvious because we've talked about it before. If you are the father or mother of a daughter who competes in sports, right? Yeah. Here come the boys mm-hmm. who are going to say they're girls, right? And they're going to compete. I hadn't had hard numbers on this, but this is an article that's in favor of the Equality Act, and it's written by Dorian Coleman, a former elite track athlete, and Martina Navratilova. Okay. Liberals mm-hmm. who are for the Equality Act but want to protect Title IX. Right. Listen to this. This is this is where this is going. I mean, I, we could talk about this forever, but Team USA sprinter Allison Felix. Mm-hmm has the most world championship medals in history, male or female. Allison Felix has the most world championship medals in history, male or female, and is tied with Usain Bolt, you've heard of him, Yes. for most world championship goals. Her lifetime best in the 400 meters is 49.26 seconds. Wow. Pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. 
In 2018, 275 high school boys ran faster wow. on 783 yeah. occasions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. High school go. boys. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. World-class athlete. The sex differential is even more pronounced in sports and events involving jumping. Team USA's Vashti Cunningham has the American record for high school girls in the high jump at six feet, four and a half inches. That's pretty good. Last year in California, 50 high school boys jumped higher. Wow. The sex differential isn't the result of boys and men having a male gender identity, more resources, better training, or superior discipline. It's because they have different bodies. Right. Right. Yep. There it is. So, I mean, what do you want? It's what do you hierarchy. want? We talked about it before uh, on the podcast, but also uh, on the daily radio uh, the show we did Morning America. It's the hierarchy of the liberal agenda. What trumps what? And um, I don't know how you get out of this. I mean, <laughs> if because if someone can identify as if a, if a male can identify himself as a female because he feels that way and use the restroom, the next thing is I also want to compete in female sports. But it's a clear difference between the male and female body, and he should not be able to compete. Against girls. If I had a daughter and she was a great or even just a good athlete, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we go and she's got to compete against boys. Right. I would go nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think parents should go nuts. So self-defined gender identity. Okay. Is your gender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. Self-defined gender identity. Is your identity. Mm-hmm. And you can't question it. Others can't question it. This is a true story, USA Today. When the man arrived at the hospital with severe abdominal pains, a nurse didn't consider it an emergency, noting that he was obese and had stopped taking blood pressure medicines. In reality, he was pregnant. Transgender man in labor hmm. ended in stillbirth. Tragic case described in Wednesday's New England Journal of Medicine. Points to larger issues about assigning labels or making assumptions in a society increasingly confronted, confronting gender variations. This is what happens to transgender people interacting with the healthcare system. They're going to blame the healthcare system. Guy comes in, woman comes in, I should say. Woman comes in, says she is a man, mm-hmm. has abdominal pains. Emergency room, you haven't waited a while. It's a woman. She's given birth. Crazy. Crazy. You're right. The words you use, the verb you use, is funny, of course, in the, in the, in the hierarchy of uh, liberal left values, what trumps what. Yeah. I love that Trump, <laughs> using Trump as a verb there. Because Trump will come in on all of that. <laughs> Thank you, Claude. You got it. All right. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Joining us now, Conrad Black, author and non-affiliated member of the House of Lords. Conrad, welcome back to the show. Yes, sir. How are you doing? How are you? I'm fine, thanks. You were pardoned by President Trump. Congratulations. I know you've been waiting for this and much deserved. Well, the president made it clear that his motive, and he encouraged me to say this, was uh, that after the White House counsel and his legal staff had carefully analyzed the case and looked at the material Alan Dershowitz and others sent in on my behalf, that I should never have been charged. And it was a, it was an unjust verdict. I mean, I realized there'd been a few people suggesting it was a back scratching operation, but if, um, if if I had actually committed a crime, I wouldn't have asked for a pardon, and the president, I believe, would not have given me one. Well, you know, you conducted yourself with the kind of dignity we associate with you. You didn't whine, you didn't grouse, you didn't complain. You said, okay, that's it. And then you, uh, we got the, the procedure got going. Um, I've talked to Alan Dershowitz about it as well. And he was my professor, you know, and we're, we're pretty good friends. Uh, here we go with the Nancy Pelosi. And she doesn't understand why when she said the president's guilty of a cover-up and then goes off to a meeting, he is not inclined to, you know, conversation. 
Well, you, you've got to assume that there's a bit of posturing and maneuvering going on. I mean, again, you know the way the the way it works in Washington a lot better than I do. But the, I mean, I, I assume that she's got about a third of her congressional delegation, congress congressmen and women who who are just so rabid they you know they're kind of the Maxine Waters disease, you know, don't confuse me with the facts. The Red Queen was a softie. I mean, we, you know, we're not even going to have a charge here, let alone evidence. We're just going to throw them in. Right. And, um, and and she knows that that would be a disaster, but she has to kind of finesse it a bit. And so she thinks, you know, she tried at first with the, well, he's not worth it. Of course, we could impeach him, but he's not worth it, which, of course, is nonsense and a moron with an IQ and single figures could see it. But it, but it was, you know, it was sort of a. Pigly, and now now she's uh, he he may be obstructing justice by not answering these subpoenas, and um, you know, and that's not going to work either. I mean, as I pointed out in the National Review, and it's on real clear today that they, you know, he's only doing what President Truman and President Eisenhower did. I mean, it, it, it's uh, and they hadn't had to put up with a any equivalent to a Mueller inquiry first, and he's perfectly within his rights to do what he's doing. And all the bellicose talk the Democrats were making at the outset of, of uh, having the courts require the president to send his witnesses for you know the committees and answer the subpoenas, that's all died down. They know they don't have a good case. Yeah. but uh, And they blame it on him having packed the courts with, with uh, medieval jurists. But the fact is, it's bunk. I mean, they, they gambled everything on this total fiction of Russian collusion. And uh, and they they seem unable to to just cut their losses and move on to something else. Uh, it, it's a it's a very if they had a little more leadership in that party, uh, they would say, you know they'd say look we, you know we have our opinions of the president but impeachment is not going to work so you know our duty to the American people is to give them a change of administration and we got to do it you know, in the good old fashioned way and win an election. Yeah. I want to go another direction on that because I'm not sure that the subject hasn't changed already for them, but there was a hint of it uh, just, just the other day or today, actually. But do you, th- do you think they will impeach or not? You don't? No, I think if, my, if I had to guess, and I, again, I, I must say in advance to your listeners, I don't know a thing about it. It was just my intuition for what it's worth as a, somebody sitting in another country, but, you know, watching it closely. Um, I think that uh, they will allow an impeachment motion to come forward, and and um, of, I, I think the count in the House is something like two thirty eight to two hundred, something like that, close to that. And I, I think, apart from this guy in Michigan, the entire Republican congressional delegation will vote no, and about uh, the the Democratic leadership, uh, Pelosi and Hoyer, and and and. Uh, you know, most of the sane ones will abstain from voting, or you know, just be broke, you know, voted as present but not voting, and and uh, the motion will fail. The, the Republicans will will outvote them. Something I'm shooting from the hip. I'd say, you know, 197 to uh, 120 or something like that. Against, I, I don't, I against don't impeachment. Think, pardon me. Against impeachment. Yeah, the, the motion will not pass. Okay, in enough the House. Of the, enough okay. of the sane Democrats will abstain, oh, but the Republican rump, which will remain solid for the president, except for this jackass in Michigan, uh, will, 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 will be 
rock solid behind the president, and there won't be enough of these, you know, Ocasio, La Passionaria, I call her, you know, after that woman, that lunatic communist in the Civil War yeah. in Spain. Yeah. Uh, there, there won't be enough uh, people of that school of political science to to overcome the Republicans. We've got 120 of them, but the rest will abstain. That's interesting. Yes, but what, what, what do I know? The answer is nothing. I don't know anything. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think the numbers will be a lot closer if they go forward. I think a lot of the centrists will. Well, now, now you you would probably be right, but I it still won't. I, I don't I don't think the Democrats are insane enough to actually put the whips on and put the motion through and go to a trial in the Senate. I mean, I that is a death wish. If they do that. Uh, you know they're they're playing Russian roulette with all six chambers loaded. I mean that is just insane. But they are going a little insane. I mean they are going a little nuts. Yeah, well, I, look, I, I I wrote in my piece that uh, it would be it would be impetuous and hazardous to bet on their good judgment. Okay. I mean, we haven't yeah. seen much of it. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. I mean, normally uh, people's instinct for self preservation comes to the rescue at some point. I think she's really going through it, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she ended the uh, comments today uh, by saying, uh, you know, the family and friends of the president need to do an intervention. So we're back to that again, you know, the mental incapacity thing. And oh, the, the Carl Bernstein's constitutional crisis. Right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They, 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 the president's brain has turned to mush. I mean, I, I, it is absolutely astonishing to me and it will astonish historians of this period that that, that this that any of this insanity was believed by anyone i mean yeah. bill you would you would agree with me i'm sure when i say no one ever nominated by a, a major political party in the united states to the office of president no one not aaron burr not henry wallace not anybody would ever have considered for one second conspiring or colluding with a foreign power to alter the presidential election. No one would ever have done it. And, and the idea that this, that, that this notion had the currency it did for a while, uh, it, it's, it's just stupefying. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a, a degree of public illusion that, that is actually a bit worrisome. I'm just thinking about her voicemails and her her, her visits with the, you know, the, with the left wing of her party, which is pretty big, and how this might wear her down, and how the president oh, frustrates her. She's a 79 year old lady. I yeah. think she's got to say she appears to have a good level of stamina, but um, and 79 isn't old anymore. But they. And you and I are among the people grateful for that thing. Yeah, it is. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, look, how many of these kooks are there? I mean, we know the two Muslims. We know Ocasio. uh, We know a few of the, uh, you know, the the, the complete jerk like Swalwell. I don't know what his excuse is. Uh, And I sort of understand that from an Islamic woman uh, and, and, uh, and someone of Ocasio's background. But... Um, but so you've got some of those. You've got Maxine, who, who's, of course, an absolute phony as well as a mental case. But, um, you know, she's been ordering the population of Los Angeles to riot without interruption for the last 30 years. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. but uh, surely there aren't, there aren't more than about 20 or 30 of those people, aren't there, in the Congress? 
Yeah, there. I think there. Are. I think it's closer to fifty. But well, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I'll, I'll be very interesting to see how this comes out. But uh, remember, Eric Solwell's from California, and that's another whole story these days. You know. Well, yes. It, it, I mean, am I the only person who finds that guy absolutely insufferable? Yeah. No. But I mean, just take your, you know, take your pick. Yeah, Brad Sherman is another one. Yeah. Mercifully, he doesn't get on television as much as he used to. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, and uh, well, now we have oh, Mayor, Debla- Mayor De Blasio in the race. I, I, I thought the president handled that one. If you want high taxes and crime, there's your candidate. There's your guy. Yeah, worst mayor in the history of New York. That's going back to the days of George Clinton. You know, I mean, it's going back to. You know, about 1720 or something. It is, it's, you know, it's 300 years. I know. Let's go. Let's go to 2020. So you had a great column on this. So Biden doing much better than everybody thought, much better than I thought. But I don't think it's going to last. I take this. It's no, not I, last. I agree. I, I, but I take this. Tell me if I'm mistaken. As a sign that that most of the Democrats are actually, as we thought they were, sane people. We may disagree with them, but sane people. And not uh, all of them engaged in, in a in a desperate foot race uh, over the cliffs, demanding reparations for everybody and open borders and high taxes and a green terror and uh, and all the rest of it. I, I mean, I, I, it appears that these 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 this human wave of kooks that have been running for the nomination don't actually represent very much. And, and, and uh, you know, like taking the broader view, I think that's a good thing. I think if, if the majority of the Democratic Party actually agreed with, you know, what uh, Beto O'Rourke says or something, well, you know, on the rare occasions when he can even utter a sentence, I mean, a syntactically correct sentence, uh, it, it, that would be worrisome. But I, I, I mean, I think they're so relieved to see Biden, it was goodness, that was a an unexciting candidate, but at least he's a comfort. He's like an old shoe, you know. Like not a comfortable pair of shoes to put on to go to the shopping center. Or something. That's the I, argument. I mean, That's the argument. Yeah. I'm going to take you back to the comfortable old shoes. Yeah, exactly. Except that, he, but in his case, they'll lose. So they'll only lose by ten percent. He's fifty-five, yeah. forty-five against Joe, and that's in, you know in the American electorate the way it is now. That's fourteen or fifteen million votes. But but the, but the, at least the party doesn't get absolutely hung out on the line if they if they nominated one of these fruitcakes uh, well, in that case they will Trump Trump beats Mr. Nixon's record for plurality right. win by over 20 million but this is uh, did you see Sleepless in Seattle yeah, I didn't see it. Oh, okay, so this is Meg Ryan getting ready to get married to the guy, you know, who sniffles and does all this. But, you know, throughout the movie, she's going to get married to him. And then, nope, can't do it. This is the right decision. Can't do it. They will not be able to do it. And the more you see of him, and he's old, he looks old, uh, all due and, respect and, and, for your and, comment. Look, he's clearly an amiable person, and from all I know, People like good him. to me. Very good to me. Very yeah, good to me. I thought I was soft on drugs, but good to me. Yeah, but but the, like he's got a hot air balloon for a brain, for God's sake. He lost the debate to Sarah Palin. I mean, he just said a couple of weeks ago on television, China are our friends. I mean, with Gerald Ford, it was a good man, a fine man. Uh, it lost the election because because he was misunderstood in what he said about Poland and Russia. But, you know, Joe Biden will will 
it'll, it'll be a one-man pandemic of foot-in-mouth disease. Yeah, and he's got to do more than once a week, you know. He's got to do more than uh, one. But, uh, but, but, you know, and, and he, I don't know. I, he, as far as I know, I think he's addressing a Democratic Party that isn't there anymore. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, you know, I, like so I said. like a guy running for congressman in 1938 on the coattails of Roosevelt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So anyway, um, should the president, this is a question. The only, I had this question after the Pelosi thing. She is saying, you know, why are we going to do infrastructure? We're going to keep doing what, what we're doing. We're going to keep harassing you. He's saying, no, if you keep harassing me, we're not going to talk about serious things things is that a mistake shouldn't he say look we're going ahead i think you're being ridiculous these are stupid things but i'm gonna do my job let's get an infrastructure bill let's get a bill on immigration etc etc i you know shouldn't he shouldn't he say even though you're being stupid let's get let's get something done on this stuff i think that is the stance to take yeah and 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 yeah. uh, I, I i i mean i think the Everyone recognizes that something has to be done in that area. Everyone, I mean, surely everyone recognizes that that it's stopped. To, it's time to stop playing ping pong with uh, with immigration. I mean, that's just been a, a terrible, a terrible failure of government by both parties, and a cynical failure of government too. Uh, and and uh, so, I think the I think the prestige of the Congress and the politicians generally would rise if they actually did something serious about these things. So, and you, 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 I mean, in my experience, Bill, which is less than yours, but eventually politicians are interested in self-preservation, indeed, to a fault. And, and, uh, and, and I think they'll catch on. I don't blame the president for saying, I'm not going to deal with you as long as you're trying to suggest I've committed crimes. I, I mean, I, I, I think if, if, there's, if the impasse goes on long enough, uh, somebody should figure out a, way, a, a sort of verbal formula to allow the, the sides to, to work together. If, if the Democrats are for real, I mean, if they actually want a deal, then, then I mean, in, within a, you know, a reasonable compromise, uh, which certainly appeared to be, they appeared to have the, the basis of one on infrastructure, and the problem would have been with Republicans concerned about with some reason about increasing the deficit. But um, if they do, then it should be done. But uh, uh, on the other hand, for all I know, they may be so pig-headed and small-minded, they're afraid to give the president a success. My worry, my worry is, I mean, here, here's the way I'd frame it. He should say, you're being idiots, you're being stupid, you're pursuing this, you know, thing that's not there. But... I got to govern this country and, you know, let's go, you know, you want to do this stupid stuff. I think you're, I think you're ridiculous for doing it, but let's get the infrastructure. Let's get the immigration thing. We got to get it done. I'm not going to let your stupidity well, I, I, interfere with my governance that without embarrassing himself. He What's can that? Take that position. He the can. president can take that position without embarrassing himself. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, he can, can he? Sure. He can. Well, yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, if a deal is going to be done, he she should he should certainly try and get it done. I agree with that. But Pelosi has got to be a little more careful. I mean, she can't just announce the president is is, is conducting a cover up and obstructing justice, which is maybe an impeachable offense, and then put on her hat and coat and go straight over to the White House. I mean, you, you know, you've got to have a little more respect for the office than that. I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, at the end of uh, one of your essays, you said something and you know, my respect and regard and affection for you, but I have to say, I think I disagree. Um, America is celebrating Alice Johnson, this woman who was released from prison. Okay, she served 20 years. I got it. But this notion that if it's nonviolent, then it deserves leniency. The definition of nonviolent here. I just want to find out where you are on this. I can ship, you know, a hundred million dollars worth of fentanyl and methane um, uh, and and cocaine and heroin, and that's nonviolent. But what it leads to is not pretty, and indeed often very violent. That's not the distinction it, we want. Yeah. No. Look, I. I, I you you understand I advance into this uh, sphere of discussion with extreme trepidation talking to a former drug czar. Uh, I have to say that I suspect, uh, because of my uh, time as a, as yeah. a guest of the American yeah, people, sure. I met a lot sure. of these people, I mean, uh, at all levels, from prominent South Americans, down, you know, through... You know, no, the industry guys just rounded up at street corners and so forth. And um, and one of my students, uh, you know, was serving a 20-year sentence for driving a truck full of marijuana, and he wasn't even a user himself, let alone a dealer. I, I, I have a horrible feeling that we've really lost the drug war. But what happens is we round up the little people. If you occasionally catch a big person, he does these Section 35s and gets a sentence reduced. Uh, or, or he goes into one of these funny prisons in South America, which is like living in the Fontainebleau Hotel or something. And um, and and and, me, and these the, you know these these virtual civil wars in Mexico and Colombia go on, and and we aren't really getting anywhere. If if we if we if we legalized everything with compulsory treatment for hard drug addicts. And did our and did a and used the military as well as everything else to crack down on opioids as best we could. I, I, I think I think I think that would be a better approach. I mean, I met guys who who stole planes for a living. They fly in, you know, these these loads of drugs. And and I said, well, would you do it if the U.S. Air Force was around? He said, of course not. We're not, you know, we're not kamikazes. Sure. I mean, I just never. I, I just had so much evidence of how much corruption there is in the whole thing. And I knew uh, General McCaffrey and these guys. I, I don't doubt that these people who succeeded you in the, in, 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 as head of the drug effort are, are good people. And, the, and most of the people in the agency would be good people. But I just don't think the strategy's right. No, they, their strategy wasn't right. But I will, uh, this takes a longer discussion. But ours, ours, I, I, ours I, was. I agree with that. Ours was. It's horribly ours complicated. Was. And Bill, I didn't want to sound glib. And I didn't want to sound dismissive of the No, no, I understand. Do no, I understand. I just want you to know, and, and from 79 to 92, when this country was really on top of this and worried about it, we pushed back. The whole country pushed back. And drug use went down by 50%. And, you know, well, people, if it can be done, let's do it. Yeah, it can be done. It can be done. It just requires leadership and will and some luck. But, yeah, you know, when we got the, the price the of cocaine up. The hell out of me is, as I understand it, you know, crystal meth and that sort of thing. A child of ten could go around to different pharmacies and collect the ingredients and then make it in, the, in his parents' basement. Uh, the fentanyl. That's, that's not manning the border, shooting down 
drug-loaded planes. I mean, that's, oh, that's right. You know, that, that's hard to stop. Fentanyl's the thing now because, you know, the head of a pin. And uh, we think a child in Miami walking home from school ingested it through his nose and died, you know. Just a just a fleck, just a tiny speck. Anyway, to be continued at another time. I yeah, um, no, look, it's a scary business, but I, I defer to you. You know, a hundred times more better than I do. I just and and the whole legalization thing. We're now seeing a lot of evidence that Colorado and the places that got very loose on this are now seeing. Is, is, now is that causing real social problems? Real social problems, and there you know, and there is and that. Uh, the people who govern us are so fundamentally incompetent that they themselves will become addicted to the revenue. I mean, uh, I, I, you and I aren't old enough to remember Prohibition, which handed one of the greatest in, and most lucrative industries over to people like Al Capone, industrials like Al Capone. And, uh, uh, but I, I remember when uh, in, in most places ex- except Nevada and everywhere in Canada, uh, gambling was a bad thing. You, you, you know, it was a terrible thing. It just robbed people of their money and so on. And, and now the, you know, there are casinos everywhere because the government needs the money. And uh, you, you know, the, uh, uh, the now we're starting on the drug thing, and there's marijuana popping up all over. I mean, it's it's supposed it's legal in this country, although it is carefully regulated. But uh, I, I think the the government's thirst for money and their fear of raising taxes. Uh, is driving them into a sort of voluntary tax by using addictive practices that are themselves somewhat sociophobic uh, to you know to replace or to raise the revenues with which they try to buy the vote. Let's talk this over one night with many drinks. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, which I want to tell you and just get your view on this, because um, we had a dinner party I've been bragging about, uh, just a small dinner party, and we had Secretary Pompeo and Attorney General Barr and Mark Meadows and uh, just uh, two of us. And, and, uh, and You it was, had these men to dinner? Yeah. And uh, we're in Chevy Chase, liberal Montgomery County, and people went mm-hmm. by and were horrified. Anyway, by what they saw, but so be it. But these are, I, I call them the Praetorian Guard for this president, these these two men. And the three of us, of course, constituted a kind of bulky, chic, you know, Praetorian Guard here, I would say. Yes. Anyway. Well, you're, 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 you're one of the Georgetown hostesses on that basis. Yeah. You win the Evangeline Greek <laughs> Stop, stop, stop. Oh, God, help us. Anyway. She's a lovely person. But I know, I know. But, uh, no, I was thinking of what's-her-name from Washington Post, Graham. Anyway. Um, oh, well, I, I, she was a nice person. Yes, she, she was. Of image. Yes, she was. But, you know, the interesting thing was, and I just love your comment on this, because when people left, they said, we hadn't been to a dinner party like that in Washington, because we didn't sit and do an interrogation of Mike Pompeo, you know, what uh, what's going on with Kim Jong-un. I, I said a question. I said, one conversation at the table. That's Mrs. Bennett's rule. One conversation at the table. I said, tell us your favorite Trump story. And <laughs> once they loosened up, we were getting these hilarious stories. And so people relaxed because these guys need to relax. And they stayed and stayed and stayed. And when they left, they said, thank you. That's we needed that. Doesn't happen in Washington. My wife knows how to do it. I'm just bragging on her and I guess a little bit on us. But look, he is. Uh, I mean, you know him. He's an extremely congenial man. Gosh, He's yes. a wonderful rack hunter. Yeah. He's very courteous. He listens carefully. Doesn't yes, talk he over does. I, I mean, even when he phoned me up to tell me he was giving me a pardon, he, he didn't 
He didn't just got her a monologue and hang up. You know, it was a, he's, he's a very affable person. Yeah. Anyway, we want to have another dinner party and have you at it. So when you can come, you let us know. Conrad, thank you. Thanks very much, Bill. Always a pleasure. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, it's time to welcome Byron York to the show, a columnist at the Washington Examiner and a Fox News contributor. Byron, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Bill. Byron, so uh, environments change, the atmospherics change, uh, a meeting uh, with the president, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. She says before she goes, um, you know, he's engaged in a cover-up, comes to the meeting, and he says, you talk like that, we're not going to negotiate infrastructure or anything else. Things getting worse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was interesting, after after this happens, Pelosi goes, and somebody asked her in the press, uh, bless her heart, said, do you think you're being maybe a little provocative in some of the things that you're saying. And uh, she felt that this was trying to blame her for the president's uh-huh. temper tantrum. Uh-huh. And we all know it was a, quote, temper tantrum. Um, and she said that she was doing her constitutional duties. So apparently trying to provoke the president. Yeah, it's part of the is, Constitution. Uh, is her constitutional duty, it's somewhere in Article 1. I don't where know where is it is. it in that article? Yeah. yeah. The provocation provision. Uh, then she said, uh, recent press conference, um, maybe an intervention is required by his family and friends with the president. So are we back to the mental incapacity issue? Well, it seemed to me that it was. That, uh, yeah. By the way, arranging an intervention is also another uh, Article One responsibility <laughs> that had been previously <laughs> unknown. Yeah. Um, but I do think, well, look, I think that uh, people on the left have, called Trump crazy for quite a long time. Sure. And they've had serious people like Ross Dowbett talk about uh, invoking the 25th Amendment Yeah, uh, to remove the president, you know, for... We haven't heard much of that lately. No, it, it kind of went away for a while, but um, nothing ever fully goes away. Yeah, and of course. you have to remember, there's a group of people who have wanted to remove uh, Trump from office from the, the day after the election. Okay, so... Three months before he came into office, they were seeing if perhaps they could somehow short-circuit his coming into office. And then after he came into office, they were hoping they could somehow make his a very, very brief, you know, six-week presidency or something. Um, And they're still fighting. And they don't um, don't give it up. And and it's kindergartners, you know, blindfolded, pin the tail on the donkey. And if you remember... You're probably too young to have ever played that, but all those tails stay on the donkey until they get it right. You know, they keep pinning tails. Okay, I, I want to get to you several articles since we've talked, a lot of articles since we've talked. I want to focus on this Papadopoulos and the investigation and, you know, how did this all come about. Situation as it stands now, I gather, is that there may be transcripts of these conversations with George Papadopoulos, which may tell us just how much was there in the first place, the basis of which... The FBI claims this is how it started its investigation because of all this important stuff that Papadopoulos was privy to. Well, that's real news. And um, it came courtesy of Trey Gowdy, who appeared on Maria Uh Bartiromo's show on Fox and basically uh, was talking about the informants and undercover agents that the FBI used to try to get information out of George Papadopoulos. And, um, you know, wiretaps are not the only way to get information to spy on someone. You can send a undercover person there to meet them and talk to them and record them as secretly while they're wearing a wire. Um, and basically, um, 
Gowdy came out and said that there were, the FBI did record conversations with Papadopoulos, and there are transcripts of them. This is all classified. And he suggested, he, Gowdy, suggested that um, uh, at least one of the transcripts would, would had exculpatory information about Papadopoulos. Now, exculpatory for Papadopoulos or for the president yeah. or both? And, well, I think for Papadopoulos and for the Trump campaign, okay. basically. Okay. Uh, d- d- right. Some sort of, I guess, denial of, of dealings with Russia or yeah. denial yeah. of knowledge of Russia's intentions or something. That would uh, that would tend to exculpate both him and the campaign. So um, you think, well, why haven't we seen this? It is still uh, classified. But if that were the case, it could really tell us quite a bit because you have to remember the official story is that the FBI got a tip from the Australian about Papadopoulos. They got it on uh, July 26, 2016, that Papadopoulos had said that Russia had dirt on Hillary Clinton. And um, that was July 26, 2016. On July 31st, based on that information, the FBI officially starts its Trump-Russia investigation. Well, if what Gowdy is saying is actually correct, part of that investigation immediately was to send somebody over to London to insinuate themselves with Papadopoulos and try to get information out of him. And it sounds like the information they got failed to confirm this tip. So having either failed to confirm or disprove the tip they got that they used to start the investigation, they just kept on investigating anyway. Remi- I think that that could cause some questions mm-hmm. about what the FBI was doing. Remind me in the audience, what did Papadopoulos admit to? What has he admitted to publicly that he, he admitted well, he, that he talked he to you? guilty to... He pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about the timing of his interviews with this guy, Joseph Mifsud, the mysterious Maltese professor. Uh, And basically, he said that uh, he had talked to Mifsud before he, Papadopoulos, became a Trump campaign advisor when, in fact, he had talked afterwards. Did he admit to ever saying, yeah, we've heard that uh, the Russians have some stuff on Hillary's campaign or anything like that? No. No. Okay. 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 And that was the basis, presumably. Yeah, you have to remember, nobody, not Papadopoulos, not anybody else, has been charged with taking part in any sort of coordination or conspiracy between right. Trump and the Russians. No American has been uh, alleged to be involved in this, and and there's no allegation that it actually that this conspiracy or coordination actually existed. There's no allegation. All right. the, uh, so we think there may be transcripts of this. If uh, if that is correct, if Trey Gowdy is correct, absolutely. Okay. Also, and this is this is apparently I'm 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 putting two and two together here. But remember that Devin Nunes and others yeah, have buckets. been calling on the president to mm-hmm. to um, declassify some things, and part of that we knew was uh, declassify additional portions of the um, Carter Page FISA warrant that are not already public. But it appears that other things, among the other things that Nunes wants the president to declassify are these um, transcripts. Mark Meadows was talking about stuff on, on another Fox show, and he said, there will be stuff that's coming out that'll put your hair on fire. You know, I, uh, 
I have to say, I generally think it's a bad idea to um, uh, sell something in those terms because it might be overselling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Trey okay. Gowdy said there was one thing that could be seen as a game changer, but um, I think it's probably a bad idea. I mean, how many bombshells uh, have there been, you know, in the Trump-Russia investigation that didn't really turn out to be bombshells? Yeah, there were duds. But what we need is a declassification of these documents, and the president can do that, and do we think the president will do that? Uh, he can do that, yes. And... Um, he can, will he? You know, the question, well, the question is why he hasn't. Yeah. And, the, and the, before the Mueller report was released, which is only on April, what, 18th, so it's only been a month, uh, before the Mueller report released, the word was is that the president did not declassify these things because if he did it while Mueller was investigating him, this would be another thing they'd charge him with obstruction for. <laughs> they'd say he was obstructing the investigation by using his declassification power. Okay. Um, you know, now that's not an issue. Mueller has closed up shop, um, and uh, there's really no reason not to do it. And you you hear rumors he's going to do it sometime. So, you know, we'll see. Sorry to be vague about this, but I just don't know. Make this simple for me um, and for people in the audience who are just waking up. If there's not much to, not much or nothing to the Papadopoulos stuff, then the inquiry was begun anyway. The FBI was on it, pursuing it, but the basis was flimsy to nothing. I think you're getting at something there. Um, and the reason, the reason the FBI leaked that the, the story that the investigation was begun only because of the Papadopoulos information, the reason they leaked that was that they were trying to say, no, we weren't using the dossier to start this investigation. No way, no how. So they used the New York Times to get this story out that it was not the dossier at all. It was, in fact, the Papadopoulos information. Well, now we get this this new, you know, information about what might have gone in the, gone on in their Papadopoulos investigation. So, um, you know, when when Barr says we need to know more about the origin of the investigation. He's right. We need to know more about the origin of the investigation. Another question before the president releases, if he does release, can Barr look at these? Uh, can Durham, John Durham, the new guy from Connecticut, can he look at these? I would think so. Sure. I would think so. Because presumably Trey Gowdy has. Or Yeah, basically what it is, is there have been a few members of Congress who have been able to see all the classified material that's at least available to members of Congress. Not, not every member of Congress has, but Gowdy had. And some of that is just also individual initiative. I mean, he actually went and looked at all this stuff, and maybe other members don't get up and go over to the Justice Department and look at it. But I, I would think that the Attorney General has uh, the highest access uh, to, and uh, certainly that that he and, and the Inspector General, by the way. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, there's a lot of press attention, and I always go to you when there's a lot of press attention as to whether it's justified or not. Now, some of the people for early on from the Obama administration are turning on each other, Lynch and Comey, about whether you call this yeah. thing an investigation or a matter, Brennan and Comey. Is there is there something there? Are these real? Are these potentially serious differences? Yeah, I think that... Um, 
I think that some of the finger pointing is, is is related to the dossier because none of them wants to admit that they used the dossier as part of their decision making process uh, to investigate the Trump campaign and the Trump um, transition. So I think we've seen arguments say, well, look, you wanted to include the dossier in the brief to the president. No, I didn't. You did. Brennan and Comey? Is this Brennan and Comey? Yeah. Okay. So there may be, maybe, and I'm this is my guess, okay? I'm not doing anything other than guessing. Uh, if there is documentary evidence, you know, that maybe shows, uh, shed some light on how much they were using this, that would be really good because, as you remember, I mean, I go back to the Papadopoulos story. A lot of the leaking to the press from the FBI and the intelligence community has been to the effect that we did not use the dossier. No, we didn't. When in fact they did. And um, maybe we'll find out they used it even more than we thought. Is Durham essential? Oh, yeah. What about the Loretta Lynch and Comey matter or investigation? Does that matter? Well, I don't I don't think that. I mean, we've known about that for quite a while that, you know, she didn't want to call the Clinton investigation an investigation. Okay. But, um, you know, I don't think it's good to know, but I, I don't think there's any more legs to it. Help me sort out the players here. Is John Durham carrying out the investigation for Barr, or is Barr doing his own? And they're both distinct from Uber, Uber, and Horowitz. Well, I think that um, Durham is carrying this out on behalf of the attorney general, who's who also seems to be doing some of his own. Okay, is, talking to talking to talking to Michael talking to other people, but I believe that uh, Durham is doing this on behalf of the Attorney General. Now, as far as the investigation being conducted by John Huber, the um, U.S. Attorney in Utah, it's a total mystery what he was doing. He was appointed by Jeff Sessions, and um, nobody seems to know what he has done or is doing. Or It's one of these things where there are people who've been involved who are involved in this case, and you you would think, well, if if Huber were investigating, he would get in touch with this person, right? He would interview this or that person, and you know, and they haven't heard a word from him. So hard to know what's going on. All right, but Durham is doing one, and Barr's doing some of his own, and apart from Huber, I mean, apart from Durham. No, I, I don't. I don't think Barr is doing anything, anything formally separate. I just think it's pretty clear he's he's personally talking to some people too. To, I know what's going on. We are still expecting Horowitz to come out in June. Is that right with something? Uh, you never can tell. Okay. You never can tell. Okay. I okay. mean, I, I remember, you know, last year we were expecting the Clinton investigation report. It's going to come out, it's going to come out in March. It'll be here in April. You know? right. Okay, so never knows. know. All right. Maybe a more important question. Do you think, and I'm still mystified by why we haven't, I mean, I understood the reason with the Mueller thing, but do you think we will see the president release these classified transcripts, et cetera? Yeah, I think we, I think we probably will. Okay. I, you know, it's just, it's just too important. Um, and it really, you know, it needs to be known. It needs to be known. Yeah. 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 All right. Listen, we got to let you go and we thank you for squeezing us in. We know how busy you are. That's hey, listen. That's quite all right. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll do it. Uh, do it again soon. Thank you, Byron. Bye bye. Thank you, Bill. Bye. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J Bennett and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. 
Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, we've had some really good ones lately. Really particularly good, I think. 